This episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you in part by Audible.com. Visit d20radio.com today to find out how you can download two free audiobooks from Audible.com. This episode is also brought to you partially by GoDaddy.com. Visit D20 Radio today and find out how you can great, get great discounts from GoDaddy.com. Episode 34 is also brought to you by the generous donations of Catherine Bulware, Randy, and Tammy Barnhart. This episode is for you fine people. This is Death MVP. I would never listen to the Order 66 podcast. You still haven't paid your protection money. Hello there, Gamma Nation. I'm Jedi Forest, and my mama told me never listen to the Order 66 podcast. That's all I got to say about that. Execute Order 66. Well, howdy, Gamer Nation. It's Sunday, September 14th, 2008, the day of Universal Harmony. Not really. It's actually a week after Universal Harmony. The NFL season is in week two. By golly. This is you know, episode 34. I'm sorry for stepping on you. I no, didn't know no, you no. were going to talk. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. No, I was going to say the rest of the world doesn't care about the NFL. Well, we do, and most of the Europeans do. French, uh, I don't care about the French. You know, anyway. We know that. We know that. <clears throat> Can I get on with the show now? Please. Okay. This is episode number 34, the Order 66 podcast. Thank you very much. I am GM Dave. <laughs> what is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris, and uh, glad to be here today on this fine Sunday to uh, expound the beauty of Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And we got a cool episode for you. I think we do. I'll think we do, too. So let's get right into it. Why not? Yep. Oh, time for some announcements. Well, if you guys uh, like us, uh, got your role-playing start with uh, the fine Dungeons and Dragons system, and you have not yet laid your hands on the new, improved, and splendiferous Fourth Edition, and you're a little afraid, and you want to find out more about it, or if you want just want to pump up your current game, you can, Dave, do what? Visit d20radio.com. Yes, and look for Radio Free Hamlet. Yes. Radio Free Hamlet, uh, of course, the uh, nod, the homage to the old 2nd uh, edition Temple of Elemental Evil module, um, but the RFH crew does 4th edition upright, and their official 8th episode, I guess, 7.5 would be their first, you know, their their the last one they kind of put out, Yeah, um, actually went up uh, last Sunday night, I think, or Monday, Sunday or Monday, and uh, they delve into the Ranger something fierce. Yeah, it's a good episode, so. too. It is. It is a very good episode. So give it a listen. D20radio.com. Download it. It is there. And while you're at D20radio.com, why don't you guys uh, take a click on the uh, link for some D20 Radio swag. 
we have uh, D20 Radio t-shirts uh, for both uh, Order 66 podcast and Radio Free Hamlet. Buy them. Wear them. Shower in them. Get free K in them. Uh, Whatever don't. you will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's a good thing. We've, we've had a few more people uh, purchasing. And we've also had, as, as you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, a few people taking advantage of our donation link um, at the uh, at the website, at d20radio.com. Um, the server bill, she be a-climbing, as our listeners be a-climbing. And uh, i got to give major props to our listeners that have taken it upon themselves to uh, help us... Uh, well, help us produce the podcast, pretty much. Yep. Um, and, and keep it running. Uh, that and, and t-shirt purchases are doing it. So um, it's it's really cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you very much. From a, from a, from the bottom of our hearts. So if you guys like the cast, you want to see it keep running, um, you know, go ahead, buy a piece of swag, or make a donation to the Starving Podcasters Fund uh, right there at uh, d20radio.com. And uh, while you got your web browser pulled up, you can take a, a little walk over to uh, www.wizards.com slash Star Wars for a whole new bevy of web goodness. Um, four new web enhancements were released Friday. Um, there's been a little bit of buzz online about them. There, you know, Some people are like, meh, but I, I, I like them. There, there's, I think there's some cool stuff there. Um, Eric Cagle uh, wrote and provided us with the very first of the University of Sandbra Guide to Intelligent Life, which I'm seriously hoping is going to be a recurring... Um, a recurring column, but he introduces us to a brand new species you can use in your games, uh, the Nazrin. Um, and these species were introduced in episode five of Dawn of Defiance, I think. Um, and uh, well, this article expands them, uh, develops their culture, their history, and of course gives you uh, full full stats to play them as a, as a PC race, which is really cool. And also up is a fourth message to spacers, another one of the recurring uh, web articles. And Patrick Stutzman details the new Lorinar E9 Explorer space transport, which is a... I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at it, Dave, but I really like the ship. I mean, it's like a, I think it's like a CL9, I think. And it's a small but but really sturdy scout ship. Uh, really great in the campaign. So um, very, very good to take a, take a look at. And uh, also, the second KOTOR web enhancement is up. Um, not a whole lot there, but there are stats for everyone's favorite Karth Onassi hater, Captain Dalen Morbus, uh, who makes a, a wonderful NPC uh, noble, uh, kind of a just disgustingly dirty, dirty ship captain. And um, even if you aren't playing a KOTOR game and you, you know, have no use for having Dalen Morbus in your game, his stats will work across the board for almost any game you're making. You know, just plug-in name B, and it'll, it'll work great. Good web enhancement. And oh yeah, Jedi Master Sterling Hershey himself wets our proverbial whistles with a second preview of the up-and-coming Clone Wars mini-set, uh, and a look at the ARC Trooper Sniper, which is pretty spiffy. So, lots of web goodness out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, Dave, I believe uh, I was kind of shaking and creaking in my boots when you came over to my desk and uh, told me this next bit of news uh, that uh, yes. we went online and confirmed. I um, happened to be uh, just kind of scrounging around, and one thing led to another. I found some guy's blog entry led me over to the uh, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, to which I found three trademarks given to LucasArts on July the 3rd, 2008. This is all public information, by the way. Anybody can go and check it out. And um, these three, three names uh, that they uh, they trademarked are Star Wars The Old Republic, Star Wars Legends, and Star Wars Sagas. And they all had a trademark description attached. I'm going to go ahead and read it. 
Entertainment services provided online by means of global and net and local area networks, namely providing interactive computer game software, interactive video game software, and interactive computer games and interactive video games. All online by means of global and local area networks providing news, information, programming in the field of entertainment relating to interactive computer game software and interactive video game software over an electronic network. Providing so, news programming in the field of entertainment relating to the science fiction over an electronic network. So it yeah. sounds like a computer game. So basically, it's an MMO. It sounds like an MMO. We just don't know what platform, <laughs> for sure. Pretty much. But at least now we know what potentially to call it when it comes out. We're assuming, of course, that this is uh, the upcoming KOTOR MMO that's been announced mildly and hinted at. And uh, we have three potential new acronyms that we can propagate now on the Order 66 podcast to start calling it. If they call it, um, you know, uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, we can call it TOR, you know? Right. Uh, you know, The Old Republic. Uh, if it's Star Wars Legends, we can go with SWILL, you know, SWL. I like right. SWILL. Maybe we'll play some SWILL. Yeah, okay. And um, then there's Star Wars Sagas. If they end up calling it that, we can call it SWISS, SWS. Ah, uh, Douglas will be happy about that. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yes, I bet. He said, "I want to play some Swiss, man. I want to play some Swiss." Oh yeah. So that's that's very cool uh, on that front. Um, as to whether any of these games or game or whatever they choose to make it will be any good, um, time will tell. Eh, we can hope. We can hope. That's right. And one last announcement, Gamer Nation. Amazon has leaked yet another unannounced product for Star Wars Saga Edition. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Academy by Rodney Thompson. Release date scheduled May 19th, 2009. You gotta love Amazon for uh, telling us what no one else will. Yep. <laughs> Yay, capitalism. I wonder what Watsy does about that. Like, did they go to them and say, yes, um, you really can't put that up there yet? We uh, haven't announced that? And Amazon says, uh... Sorry. Hmm. You want us to sell your stuff? We're the biggest, uh, you know, retailer of printed material on planet Earth. Uh, yeah, we don't have to sell your stuff. So yeah. no, 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 that's that's okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, it probably goes a lot like Vader trying to order Kung Pao chicken in Episode One. Pretty much, pretty much. So you're saying Amazon just force chokes Watsy to death? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Go away. I could see that. Yeah. Exactly. I can see that. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? Well, cool. So, lots of good announcements. But, um, so, I I went down to my post office box today, um, and I was a little a little worried because I, I didn't get a I didn't get a postcard yesterday, and that's usually when it comes. And, uh, sure enough, I, I went out there this morning, just had a glimmer of hope. Maybe it came in late last night. And, indeed, I did have a postcard waiting for me. Was it sealed again? Good friend. No, 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 no. No, no seal. It was just a, a regular, regular imperial mail. Um kind of odd uh but uh, it, it is from our good friend commander cody yeah so very very nice but um guys i wish you could see it's a kind of an odd postcard um well here dave you, you take a look it, this is a kind of a white and, and frosty postcard it it's covered in, in spindly lettering that glints like fine crystal and the airbrushed picture on the front is of a beautiful frozen crystalline landscape with the words greetings the intergalactic banking clan welcomes you to my gito my gito or yours there's everyone from across the galaxy it's time for postcards from commander cody dear gm dave and gm chris it's good to roll you guys this week very far from the malachor system 
Our search turned up fruitless, but the Emperor seems satisfied, and now is using our squad to procure what I think are materials for some type of secret project. He sent us to an unusual place elsewhere in the Outer Rim Territories, the planet Mykito. A strange world covered in precious crystalline deposits and valuable metals. The planet is locked in the midst of an ice age. This place was once controlled by the Separatist scum, the Mun, of the Intergalactic Banking Clan. The Empire has put them in their place, though, and taken control of this wealthy world. Surrounded by a rather dangerous asteroid field, the planet Mygito is home to a native Lima-like species, of which the Mun used to work the crystal mines here, and the Mun themselves. Disgusting aliens. I've been given orders to search the planet for a very specific type of crystalline power source that seems to grow here naturally. The mines here have always turned out the best Nova crystals and lazing crystals in the galaxy, but what the Empire is looking for is a crystal the size of a starship. I think it's a fruitless effort. But I've heard rumors that back in the war, the 501st Legion uncovered something similar here. The Emperor, it seems, just wants more. Why? My curiosity gets the best of me sometimes. Well, it's not natural for a clone, I know, but... I'd love to know what old Blackbones is up to. <laughs> well, we're starting a new round of sensor sweeps, so I'll best be going. If you're in the need for a good crystal, and you're able to stomach dealing with the Mun, take a trip out to my detail, fellas. It's quite beautiful. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Hmm. Off hunting crystals, huh? Yeah. Very, very, very interesting. I uh, I understand it is a very beautiful place, but a little, a little cold. Yeah. Just, just, just a tad. Um, you know, ice what, what age. Yeah, they just yeah, the ice age thing kind of you know puts a damper on spirits. I, I would imagine. Just yeah, a, yeah just a few things. A couple, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, what do you say we move on to some real mail? Ah, there you go, my friend. Acknowledging Cody is not real mail. All right, scumbag, pay attention. It's time for mail call. All right, scumbag, pay attention. Yeah. We got letters. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I got an email this week from Randy, um, who emailed to ask a couple of questions. Would His first be... question, he said, uh, okay, a huge starfighter takes up one unit of hangar storage, but a bar- gargantuan one takes up five units? WTF. <laughs> it's like the well, Aussies down there during w- the war. WTF. Uh, Randy, yes, uh, gargantuan does take up five units, uh, and a huge only takes up one. Why? Well, several reasons. But don't just think of it as the size. That's really not what the units represent. Size doesn't Hang- matter. It's sized well, it, yeah, yes. Size matters not, I would say. Um, but hangar storage units don't just represent the amount of space in a hangar. It represents power consumption, mechanical maintenance needs, and manpower as well. And the bigger a ship is, these things tend to increase exponentially. Um, in fact, if you look at the other consumable charts that are in uh, Starships of the Galaxy, you'll notice that the larger a ship gets, all the costs tend to get exponentially higher, from cost modifiers uh, all the way to the price to fuel the darn thing up. Um, why did designers do all this? Well, a couple reasons, in my opinion. One, it really is realistic. Uh, I mean, larger is not just statically cost more. It, literally, the larger it gets, it actually gets exponentially har- harder to, to, to keep things afloat and maintained. And two, it really encourages players to have a certain type of ship at their disposal, um, leaving the really nasty stuff for the NPCs. It's clear that, and there's been a lot of disagreement and agreement over this, that the designers didn't want the capital ships to be available to be purchased and bought and easily maintained by a group of PCs. They wanted them to be sort of these, you know, story elements that would just be so ridiculously expensive to maintain that nobody would want to do it. 
uh, except for a planet or a government or a well-prepared GM. So uh, that's kind of the reasoning there, in my opinion. But it is correct. It does suck, but that's why. His second question, uh, he says, the message to spacers, uh, which we, we talked about the uh, on the announcements, they have a new one up. Uh, the message to spacers three, where they detail the, the YZ-775 transport. What are your thoughts on opening placement points? Ten, like the YT transport, or something else? Well, Randy is referring to the third message to spacers on Watsi's website, www.wizards.com slash Star Wars, in which detailed the Corellian YZ-775, but the stats did not list any emplacement voice points for it. Well, frankly, Randy, I think your estimate is spot on. Uh, we have nothing official, unfortunately, but it is a Corellian ship, and its history notes rather vehemently that it was modded uh, continually and easily, um, a model that you know was just had that as a feature of it that it could be modded again and again and again, usually for military purposes. So I see no problem with giving it its cousin ship emplacement points ten. Uh, it just kind of makes sense. So nothing official on it, but uh, I think that's a good solution, good suggestion. Yeah, me too. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. One more question to deal with. Uh, on our forums, we had a really good one. Uh, Darth Nominus posed an excellent gameplay question. And he writes thusly. He says, Okay, I just started the RPG by GMing and running through our first encounter, uh, being the first installment of the Dawn of Defiance module. My players wanted to loot the bodies of the fallen stormtroopers, Gangalore, and the thugs. I believe some of them have played D&D. I'm not sure if looting is normal in D&D, but I felt that my players shouldn't get access to 13 blasters, stormtrooper armor, and whatever else, even before leveling up to 2. Um, now, I've had some ideas that could creatively involve looting, such as you know bringing in local law enforcement, bringing in reinforcements earlier, but then what if they kill the reinforcements? Just more looting, etc., etc. So what is your view on looting, and what can be done to prevent it? Good question, man. Yes, D&D-itis, as I call it, uh, at least from the old playgroup I grew up playing with. The curse of the need for fat loot. Uh, Saga, for me at least, is, is interesting, and this is one of my major draws to the system and a lot of people's, in that it is so focused on personal ability, not equipment. In D&D, well, 3rd oh, edition D&D, uh, so much is focused on the items you have. You loot to gain your items, or you sell the loot you get to get the money to buy better items. And that's a real crux of the game. That's all about the goal piece. But in Saga... Money, credits, is honestly not even a rare thing for a PC, and it shouldn't be. I mean, heck, a noble with the wealth talent uses money as an ability. It's like, oh, Oaken here can move starships around with the Force. Rohrbacher over there can hew a droidica in half with a single blow. Shara here can pilot a capital ship through an asteroid field blindfolded. And then there's Betty Sue here. What does she do? She's filthy rich. Sweet. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. I mean, consequently, the best stuff in the game, if you guys will notice, can't be bought. I mean, stuff like capital ships, the really cool stuff where it says not available for purchase. I personally think looting is against the feel of Star Wars. I mean, no one in the films ever stopped to loot bodies. I mean, with a, with a couple exceptions. I, I mean, I think of, like what, Dave? I mean, like Han and Luke, like stripping stormtroopers of their, their, their you know, utility belts and, and armor. But that had an actual story purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not like they were going you know, gonna, to leave and go, oh, let's sell this for some fat loot. All right. Um, I mean, I just think it defeats the cinematic feel of the game when players do it. I mean, granted, if you know, it, stopping to grab a blaster pistol is one thing if you don't have one. You know, oh, wow, here's a carbine, snatching one up. But the idea of gathering up all this gear to go take it and sell it, it just totally, totally defeats the, the, the feel of it, for me at least. So, to your question, how to stop it. 
Well, I've seen several ways you use, and I've used several myself. And usually, you're going to have to tailor the solution to your group. But there's three good approaches that I would recommend. The first one I would call the purity of the game approach. Speak to them sincerely, in-game, as they're doing it. Say, guys, is this really what a Star Wars character would do? Now, this works beautifully for major Star Wars geeks. The guys and gals that are really into it for the role-playing usually nips it in the butt. Then there's the second approach, what I call the reality approach. If that doesn't work, let them do it. And you track encumbrance with a fine-tooth comb. That crap is heavy, all right? Then let them try and sell it. And then watch them flip out when your NPC merchant screams, You want to sell me Stormtrooper armor? Are you insane? I'm not risking my life for you. Get out! Uh, that, you know, usually nips it in the butt as well. And the third option I would do is uh, one that you alluded to yourself, the death comes quickly approach. In most hairy situations, you don't have time to pick over the bodies. Now, if your players decide they want to, stress to them. You don't have the time. And if it comes to it, back up your threat with a squad of ARC troopers, with E-Web blasters and grenade launchers that happen to meander by. Uh, Saving your own skin is usually a bit more important to a player than uh, stopping to loot the bodies. So those are my suggestions. Take them with the grain of salt that they are worth, and uh, I sincerely hope you're able to uh, break your playgroup of the habit. But then again, I do want to say this. If they really enjoy looting and it's what they like about the game, you may want to consider letting them do it. I mean, bottom line is, regardless of you or my personal opinion of what Star Wars role-playing should be, the game is nothing without the players, and it's all about them having fun. And you having fun, too. So if you don't have that big of a problem with it, yeah, let them loot if it's what they really want to do. Yeah. So, my opinion. That's it. That's it. Good credit. Yeah, yeah. Not, not bad. Of course. Well, naturally. Dave, Dave, I, uh, I kind of didn't up. think I was going to get to. Hold on. Hmm? I have a call. Oh. Yep. Okay. This is Dusty. So... You're letting the clone boy breed, huh? Let me tell you, back in my day, that kind of thing wasn't done. We saw what happened with those Arcanians and their offshoots. That kind of thing just breeds trouble. Hehe, <laughs> I made it funny. So, you tell that trooper he needs to keep it in his pants. Ha! Just Dusty checking in. Oh, man. Well, that's uh, that's that's fantastic. I'm assuming he's referring to uh, TK421's supposed dalliance. Yeah, that's what he's referring to. Uh, well, you know, uh, TK denies it, and uh, I-, I tend to agree with him. I think he's a pretty honest fellow, uh, you know, at least when it suits him to be. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it- it's good to hear from Dusty. I uh, I-, 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 I did kind of miss the old codger. <laughs> yeah, me too. Did you go see Clone Wars? Yeah. And Told you I would. It. I did. And you hated it. Oh, no. I thought it was good. Um, I didn't think it was as good as TG thought it was, but she thought it was really good. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was fun. I mean, I, I went in there with the attitude that it was a kid's movie, and it was. Yeah. I still had a lot of fun with it. It was Star Wars, it for was, me at least. It was a family flick. My wife didn't like it at all, but my daughter seemed to dig it, although she didn't like it as much as Nemo or Cars. But well. the animation wasn't on the same level whatsoever. Well, no, but they turned it out pretty darn quickly, too. I mean, Pixar takes about three years to make a film. Yeah. Um, I mean, but basically, for me, it was like one long 
episode of the up and coming series is basically how I looked at it. Um, the only thing that really, uh, I guess annoyed me that we, I mean, people talk about the nicknames. Yeah, that's fine. Um, it, it makes things a little easier, uh, especially for younger people, uh, to, uh, you know, not have to remember these specific hard to remember alien names. I get it. Um, but the one thing that really annoyed me, and I was telling this to my wife, is that I started counting. All right, every time somebody says, "Well, if I know so and so, then dot dot dot," like you know, "Well, if I know my master, then this is you know," or "If I know my Padawan, he'll be knee deck neck deep in trouble." Well, if I know Dooku, he'll be on his you know yada yada. Yeah. I started counting. If I know X, then X X X. Um, at the time I realized it was happening and started counting, I counted 13 times it was said on the phone. Oh, wow. That got a little annoying for me, but at that point I think I was just kind of fixating on it. So other than that, no, I thought it was great, but my favorite part about the film, my favorite part was the clones. I thought they were portrayed so freaking well. The whole military fiction idea, truly, truly giving them life, I thought was wonderful. The personal touches they gave them, the, the humanity. Um, right. I, I think the development of the clones was probably my favorite part of the whole film. Yeah. So. I agree. Very cool. Very cool. But yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I, I felt I got my money's worth out of it. But you know, I didn't go in there with super expectations either. So that may have played a role. Right. One to ten? Oh, I'd give it a seven and a half. Hey, right on. I thought it was better than episode one. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, very but good. There it is. All right. Well, and I, I cut you off. I, I know where we were getting ready to go. So uh, let's go. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? (laughs) I missed Watto. Yeah. Uh, it was it was good to see him this this week, man. I I drove out there. You know, speaking of speaking of getting a a, a bumper from Dusty, um, it sure was dusty out there on Tatooine. Yep. Um, and I, I while I was there, I did not run into uh, uh, Zero the Hut alive or dead, um, or Jabba's oh, Jabba's Hutling. Um, on that note, did you know that huts are asexual? Um, no, no, I. I, I... <laughs> I didn't know that, but uh, I mean, now <laughs> well, that sorry, you, after I saw the movie, I went home and I'm like, "Wow, I wonder what Jabba's wife was." And I Wikipedia'd it, Wikipedia'd it, and I'm like, "Oh, wow, okay." So he just kind of butted off of him, basically. It's like, "Wow, well, that's interesting." I, mean, fact. I could, I could. Uh, well, see now. Oh, the uh, okay. Now the I, have a, I have a deeper philosophical question for you. Oh my gosh! If huts are asexual. What possible pleasure does Jabba get from dancing slave girls? And would he not glean the same pleasure from dancing slave boys? Um, I, 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 I don't know, dude. <laughs> Chew on that. While we look at what I came back from Watto's with. This, Dave, 
is an energy shield. It's actually a very powerful one. Um, anyone who's played the KOTOR games or knows and loves these things. They're wonderful. And this is straight from the pages of the KOTOR campaign guide. The new and improved energy shield! Ha ha! Uh, this, this is a really small unit. It weighs only about a kilo. It straps straight to your forearm, and it gives you SR against any type of energy attack, but only against an energy attack. Um, there's light shields, which give SR5 or SR10, respectively. Medium shields, which do SR15 or 20. And then the, the honkers, the heavy shields, which can do SR20 and SR30. Um, each require a corresponding armor, armor proficiency to use them without gaining the a, a minus five penalty to reflex defense, as well as losing your dex bonus to reflex defense that you get for wearing non-proficient armor. But, and here's the kicker with these things, Dave, even if you're proficient with them, even if you still take the shield's armor check penalty to your attack rolls. Um, that's the trade-off for using a personal shield. So you're okay. talking about a minus 2 for light shields, a minus 5 for medium shields, and a minus 10 to attack rolls just for turning on the honking big personal shields. I don't have a problem with that. I don't either, quite frankly. There's been a lot of pooju about it, especially on the Watsi forums. Um, I think it's balancing out what would otherwise be a highly imbalancing thing. Whiners. Um, personal shields function identically to ship shields and droid shields, meaning that you know if the damage exceeds the SR, it reduces its rating by 5. Um, however, there is no way to bring the SR back up. Once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, these devices are far too small and fragile to do otherwise. When purchased new, they have five charges. Um, you activate one as a swift action, and that expends one charge, which brings up the shield. And that lasts until the SR is gone, or until the encounter is over. And you can only use one charge in a counter. Um, the power supplies are just too small to activate more than that. So that's basically it, man. Um, these are really, really cool. And it's one of those things. For me, it almost like you know, this is a piece of equipment that can replace uh, you know, combat expertise um, or defensive fighting. I mean, you're still getting those penalties regardless. But it's one of those things that if you have one on you and you're in a hairy situation and you know you're not going to attack, switch one on just at the very least to get out. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, so, and uh, the really cool thing, they can also be built into armor, which is, uh, which is handy. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, kind of cool. So it is the Energy Shield. It is one of the uh, most talked about and exciting new items in the KOTOR campaign guide, which if you haven't picked up already, I'm going to just reach out across the inner tube web airspace and just smack you upside the head and say, what the heck's wrong with you? Go out to your local game store and, and, and buy it, or go to a Barnes & Noble or a Borders if you have to, or, uh, or go online and, and order it. it. It will make your life better. Right. And honestly, can, can you say that about much, that it will make your life better? Yeah. You can? can? Yeah, absolutely. There is one thing in the world that will make everyone's life better that's listening to this podcast. Ah. And that is yet to be named. <laughs> I kind of let it leak on the forum, actually. Yeah. So, But that's okay. It is. That's okay. Well, other things that will make you happy and love your life... Uh, would include the following. And now, Dark Thoughts with Twina Goodness. I wonder, why is everyone so upset about the Clone Wars movie? I thought it was great! And what's with the people saying it's a kid's movie? There's lots of things in that movie. I'd have to watch at least three or four more times just to get myself... That's normal, right? This has been Dark Thoughts with Twilight Goodness. 
You know, and the funny thing is, she's not even blonde. Yeah, she's close. She's a redhead. Hey, Craig, though, we went to go see the film, and um, uh, she was wearing this T-shirt uh, that we got at Gen Con. Uh, it's like, have you seen those, like, I'm with stupid T-shirts with the arrow pointing to the left, you know? Sure, yeah. Oh, it's like that. It's got the arrow pointing to the left, but above it, in the Star Wars font, I um, mean, it's a black T-shirt, and on the Star Wars font, it says, strike him down and take his place at my side. And uh, nobody oh, with got the it. Arrow. With, oh, <laughs> nobody got it. Well, you're, you know, there are a bunch of kids and stuff, you know? You're with, yeah. you're with, um, you're with the Generation Y and Generation P, you know? Nah, they're not going to get it. Nah, probably not. There were a lot of kids there, but oh well. well. What do you say we move on to the meat of this cast, Dave? What do you say? All right. Let's sure, no do problem. it. Okay. Let's do it. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be continuing our discussion of the brand new and improved Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide with a literal dip into some of the new heroic traits in the book. Take a pinch and put it between your cheek and gum. Ew. And, uh, well, okay, basically, guys, there's a lot here, um, a lot. And when Dave and I really started dissecting it, we realized that to do this stuff proper justice, it would take some time. Uh, so let's talk talents. Uh, we're not going to discuss every single new talent in this book or even every single talent tree, but we're going to highlight some new options that are simply amazing or can take a player to the next level or open up uh, options never before available. And, uh, you know, considering that one episode we devote to a prestige class where we really only discuss one new talent tree, um, we're actually kind of uh, going to be having, hopefully it won't be too long of a cast, where we discuss uh, talent trees for two classes. Uh, in particular, today we'll be talking about the new Jedi talents and some of the new noble talents, which are, frankly, amazing. So what do you say, Dave? Shall we get going? Let's start with Jedi. Okay, we can do that. Uh, well, there's some new Jedi talents, and we're not going to talk about all of them, but several of them are pretty fracking cool. Um, at first, I didn't really see too much advantage in it, and then I started really reading it, and I, I absolutely fell in love with the new talents that are in the Jedi Consular Talent Tree. They've added a whole bunch of new talents to the Jedi Consular Talent Tree, uh, just for the basic you know, Jedi class. And uh, basically, Visionary Attack, Visionary Defense, and Renew Vision. So, congratulations. You picked up far-seeing for role-playing purposes. Maybe because you needed it as a prereq to get into Force Adept. And you're now a complete badass because you have picked up these talents. Um, or at the very least, you are now the Jedi buffer that has been sorely lacking until now. Um, you know, well, far-seeing, man, that was always one of those things. It was always, I mean, it, agree with me or not, Dave, it was always kind of more of a, definitely a role-playing force power not a real a lot of combat use very fluffy very yeah, fluffy um, was exactly the word i was going for yep yeah i mean very fluffy i mean i can see you using it to get your way through a you know a game or a session or something like that maybe with a good gm but these talents actually let you do something concrete in combat with far seeing and it's badass um visionary attack and visionary defense are two talents that allow you as a reaction to expend a use of far seeing to allow you or an ally within 12 squares to re-roll a failed attack roll or add plus five to your reflex defense against an attack respectively awesome uh, attack or defense how awesome is that literally you're the powerful Jedi in the corner meditating and, and gaining a glimpse of the future to aid yourself and your allies. I can just see this Jedi just pausing and closing their eyes in the midst of combat and going, from your left flank, as they gain a glimpse of the future. Um, that's 
totally awesome and it's amazing. It's chock full of roleplay goodness that is mechanically sound and I love it. How many times have you seen a guy roll badass on Battlestrike only to miss? Yes. <laughs> Battlestrike's the curse, man. If you if you Battlestrike, if you prep Battlestrike, you are going to miss the attack roll. That is how it happens. It's karma. It is the force. It, it just that there's no way around it. Um, this can help alleviate that. Right. Um, and renew vision, which is I mean, of of the five new talents that they have in the consular tree, this is uh this is the the third associated with far seeing. Renew vision once an encounter regain all spent uses of far seeing as a swift action. Hello. So literally, I mean, you could, <laughs> I can just see a Jedi consular being built where you take force training at first level, learn nothing but far seeing, learn it like three or four times. Basically, you're, you're just a mystic. Okay, that's all you are. And then in combat, whip out your lightsaber, stand there defensively, and just help your party out. And I mean, you know, you could do this, you know, depending on whether you have visionary attack or visionary defense, you know, two, three times an encounter, depending on how many times you know the power. And then with Renew Vision, you just bring your stuff back and you can do it two or three times again. Um, that just seems incredibly awesome to me. And I think you should find it awesome, too. That's because right. it is. So there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, other cool Jedi stuff. Um, the Jedi Sentinel talent tree. Um, they had some really cool stuff, Dave. Um, they added the, the new talent, Sentinel Strike. So, basically, you no longer need to take levels in Scoundrel to get Sneak Attack. It's pretty much what it is. Uh, basically, Sentinel Strike lets you deal a die 6 of damage to a flat-footed opponent when attacking with a lightsaber. Or, or oh, yeah. with a Force Power. Oh, okay? yeah. I would like to point out that Sneak Attack does not apply to Force Powers because it's a skill check. All right, But this says it does. For the Sentinel Strike. That's badass. And you can take it five times, get up to a five die six. But wait, GMC, you say. Since an opponent is only flat footed during a surprise round, or if they're completely unaware of me, and I still can't get trained in stealth as a Jedi straight, exactly how useful is this? But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. The next talent they present in in this uh, new in the new new talents in the tree is Sentinel's Gambit. Once an encounter. As a swift action, you designate an adjacent foe with a dark side score of one or more, and he becomes flat-footed against you until the end of your next turn. Okay, Which means if you activate this at the start of the round, the foe is flat-footed against you for two rounds. Um, yeah, no use the force check here, no versus to will defense, they just are flat-footed because you say so. Well, they have, they have to be, have a dark side point. Well, yeah, of course, but honestly, I mean, are you, how often are you? How often is a Jedi Sentinel going to be, you know, trying to just you know, jerk up somebody that isn't a dark sider? Yeah, that's true. Not very often, but still, I, I find that to be highly, uh, highly useful. And uh, the other cool, disgusting talent they introduced uh, for the Jedi Sentinel talent tree was Dark Retaliation, uh, which is. Uh, basically, it's got Sentinel Strike as a prereq, and once an encounter, you can spend a Force Point as a reaction, and you get to set off a free Force Power as a reaction when you're targeted by a Dark Side Power. So if somebody targets you with a Dark Side Power, they unleash it, you spend a Force Point as a reaction, you can just use one of your Force Powers, any Force Power, um, kind of in retaliation. You know, uh, you know. I mean, so you're tired of the Sith Lord shooting lightning at you? Jack him up with a Force Slam or a Sever Force, better yet, for using such bad judgment against a trained Jedi Sentinel. How dare you, you moron. 
Um, you fool! So I, you fool! You fool! You fool! Uh, I, I like Dark Retaliation. It, it's kind of cool, and it's just one more talent to really allow. You know, if, if you're playing a great Jedi campaign, you know, and you have a dark side hunter, it can really pump things up there. Uh, the only thing that really limits it is the fact that you can only use it when you're targeted by a dark side power. Okay. Um, now, yeah. technically, there's only two, and one of them is Dark Rage. And I don't know if you can actually be targeted by Dark Rage. Um, what am I saying, though? There's a lot more than two. There's a whole bevy of them in the uh, Code to campaign guide. Yeah, now there so, is. Oh, now there is. Okay, so that makes that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. There's there's about half a dozen now. So that's not too terribly bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty pretty freaking cool. Yep. And the uh, other gem they introduced for Jedis uh, is, of yes. course, Repost. Uh, in the lightsaber combat talent tree, they introduced one new talent, Repost, uh, and this was all the talk at Gen Con. And I know you were salivating over the character sheets when I showed them to you. Um, one of the one of the Jedi PCs had it in Betrayal of Darth Revan, and basically the way it works is once an encounter, as a reaction, you get a free lightsaber attack against a foe that you successfully used block against. Um, it doesn't work against area attacks, and you got to have block, obviously, um, and a plus five base attack bonus to get it, but Damn. Uh, I mean, for you Jedi Knights out there with Sorosu and Shicho, you're just that much better. Um, I mean, seriously, why not? Just, I mean, spend a talent, get a free attack once an encounter, as long as you're blocking. I, I think that's wicked. Um, and it smacks a, a lot of the... Uh, it's really interesting. I remember when we, when we, when we had the, uh, the... From Gen Con, Dave, the Star Wars Saga Edition and mini-seminar that we, we posted up. Yeah. One of the questions I asked him was, you know, how much has 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons influenced or is going to influence Saga? I mean, Saga was pretty much the progenitor of 4th edition D&D. It was really the testbed for a lot of the ideas that made that game. And now that we're seeing that game in play, they're starting to import a lot of stuff over. And one of those is an expansion of the idea they created with Force Powers in Saga, which is, you know, encounter powers that are not Force-based. Right. And KOTOR is just chock full of them. And we could see they're, 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 they're making those options available to a lot of people. And there's a lot of mixed sentiment about that. But I like it, and Riposte is something I like as well. Yeah, just proves that we are the beta. We are the beta. As a result, beta testers get all the props and the respect and the love because we are the beta. Beta. Yeah. Alpha, beta. one less than beta. Beta better. <laughs> Alpha, one less beta. Beta better. Yes. Well, that's, uh, that's the Jedi talents that are worth discussing. Um, there's a couple others. Give them a look. But those are the ones that really are the bomb diggity. However, the Noble, Dave, the Noble got some, got some junk that they were sorely needing. I have long maintained that the Noble is the best class in this system. And my favorite class to play, KOTOR has given it so much more. I... I, I Aside oh, from I, the Jedi, they're the next class to get the I win button. Pretty much. Um, if you consider Serenity an I win button, which I don't. But hey, uh, yeah, I mean, no, Noble is, is pretty disgusting. Um, it's kind of wild. Uh, we're not going to talk about all the new talents they introduced because there were a lot, but we're going to talk about some of them. Um, they added some new stuff to both the influence and leadership talent trees. Um, from the influence talent tree, they added Fluster. Now, I freaking love this, okay? 
Because the problem with persuasion monkeys is the fact that, okay, you can persuade someone, you can intimidate them, and if you do so successfully, they will leave combat, right? But even then it says it's up to GM interpretation, okay? If you're fighting a Sith Lord who's going to kill you, or he's going to be killed by himself, killed himself by his master for not defeating you, you really can't intimidate him out of the fight. The GM's probably going to say, no, that's not going to work. It's kind of up to the GM discretion. So when you're faced with that crappy situation, fluster is for you. In fact, I even think it's a little bit better than intimidate. I love fluster. You use your persuasion skill once an encounter, again, with the once an encounter stuff, make a persuasion check to intimidate, which will be a standard action for you since you already have presence because it's a prereq for this talent. Um, but instead of intimidating the target normally, you fluster them, which limits them to taking only a swift action on their next turn. That is freaking huge. So basically, you point at someone and go, la, 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 and they can only take a swift action on their next turn. Hey, Provided batter, you... batter, batter, swing, batter. Swing, batter, batter. And flip them out, you know, as long as you beat their will defense, which isn't too terribly hard to do with a skill check, uh, which you probably have maxed out. That is unbelievably huge. I love it. And um, I can see, at this point, my new, my new next character is like a noble scoundrel. That's what I want to make. Um, a guy who, you know, somebody... God forgive me, like Jar Jar, who who you know walks around totally unknowingly and, and causes things to happen without really realizing it, flustering opponents, you know, debuffing them, doing things like that. Somebody would walk the line, you know, things like that. I, I think that would just be marvelous. Um, very cool. Now, the other talent they added to the influence talent tree was intimidating defense. Uh, now, this does the same thing as fluster, but instead, uh, you persuade as a reaction to debuff an enemy's attack by minus five. So once an encounter, as a reaction, you make a persuasion check uh, against an enemy, and um, after he's made a successful attack against you or an ally, and you just, okay, oh, by the way, your attack's at a minus five. And um, that's kind of the kind of how earlier with the Jedi talent we're talking about, you know, if you have the, the visionary defense, um, kind, of the, kind of the same thing from the opposite end on the noble side. And yeah. uh, cool. I really like that. Awesome. Leadership talent tree. They added reactionary attack, uh, which is basically when a foe attacks you or an ally, you can, once an encounter, direct any ally within six squares to get a free attack at that foe, ranged or melee, as long as they can make the attack. You got to have born leader for this, and you got to be trained in persuasion, and God, I hope you are. Uh, but this means it can be taken as early as third level because you'd be taking born leader at first okay granting free attacks that's a high level prestige class ability folks but oh yeah this third level noble can do it um i really really like that yeah awesome so very cool and then of course the all new brand spanking new talent tree available to nobles introduced in the kotor campaign guide the fencing talent tree uh, where you can finally, finally put your noble into combat. I like it. The key talent for this talent tree is noble fencing style. Uh, again, this was all the talk at Gen Con because the kill noble uh, had it and he reveled in it. Basically, you got to be trained in deception and persuasion. And again, you're a noble, why wouldn't you be? Um, and you can use your wit and your force of personality in your fight instead of your physical attributes. Bottom line, you use your charisma modifier in place of your strength modifier when making melee attacks. Unfreaking real. <laughs> uh, the downside, it only works for a light melee weapon or a lightsaber. Um, which is basically what you can weapon finesse. Um, and it's, it's uncommon to find yourself as a squishy noble that you are in melee combat. 
kind of a less desirable than position. But uh, it's still pretty darn cool. And you know, if you're making just a, if you just want to boost charisma and nothing else, you know, I don't have to worry about mutual attribute dependency. You know, usually if you're a noble, strength, dex, con, these are often your dump stats. And uh, this can allow you to become an effective combatant um, in, in melee, which is pretty freaking cool. In addition, noble fencing style is a prereq for every other talent in the tree, and let's talk about them, because they're all pretty freaking cool. Demoralizing defense. Now we're talking. Okay, so you're not likely to be a damage dealer anyway. Okay, you're deal wielding a light weapon with noble fencing, and you know your strength sucks. You know, okay, so who cares about the damage you deal? With this talent, you, as a reaction, designate an enemy you just hit in melee combat. He only takes half damage from your attack. But he takes a minus five to hit you until the end of your next turn. All right, that is amazingly great for a squishy noble. Um, so you know you're sacrificing damage to make yourself very, very hard to hit. Um, so getting in there, you can use this to provide flanking, uh, which can really help out. You know, you your your beat stick who is dealing damage, um, things of that nature. This is also fantastic because this lasts till the end of your next turn. If you can't withdraw and you got to get out of a squishy situation, you can attack and then move without withdrawing, and he'll be less likely to hit you um, with an with an op with a, an attack of opportunity because he's taking a minus five to hit, basically. Uh, leading feint, uh, another thing that the kill noble had, um, or the scoundrel is now my bestest buddy in the whole world, is the second name for this talent. All right, Dave, here's how this works. You damage an opponent in melee, and then, as a swift action, you make a deception check against the opponent's will. Success means that that opponent is flat-footed against the first attack of one of your allies within 12 squares that you designate until your next turn starts. So not you, but you literally uh, attack and go, ha ha, make a deception check and give one of your allies the ability to strike this foe flat-footed. The scoundrel with dastardly strike and sneak attack is now going to be buying you Corellian ales at the bar. Basically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is a great, great talent for those who want to work uh, with, a, with a close combined party, scoundrels that have taken those, those damage-dealing abilities. Not to mention just making someone flat-footed you know, can make them a lot easier to hit, especially if they're a, a dex monster, um, which is pretty freaking cool. Uh, a couple more in this talent tree. Personal Affront. Uh, this, is, this is your version of Riposte, kind of this, how dare you attack me, um, which is once an encounter. Uh, when you are damaged in melee, you can make a single melee attack as a reaction against your attacker. He hits me, ha ha, and then I hit you, ha ha. Um, pretty freaking cool. Uh, the only real downside to it um, is that it requires a plus five base attack bonus to learn, uh, which means that if you're going straight noble, you're going to be a seventh level before you can gain access to it, uh, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But it's there. And lastly, in the talent tree, there is Transposing Strike. Now, this is an oddity for another of those who really don't care about the damage they deal. They're more interested in serving as a, a combat aider, um, perhaps a lot of battlefield control. Uh, this is for you. Basically, you, you choose to deal only half damage with a, with a successful melee attack, and you switch places with your foe. So you hit him, choose to deal half damage, and you and your foe just trade places. No save, no nothing. It just happens. Okay. 
This can put your foe into flanking. It can cut him off from an ally. It can remove him from a flanking position. The applications are just endless. Um, and again, this, just like personal affront, are, are, is an advanced fencing style. It requires that plus five base attack bonus to learn, um, which of course means you got to be a seventh level noble to get it. Or a noble soldier uh, could be absolutely deadly with these things. So very cool. So I, I highly am just drooling over the fencing talent tree. Um, it's a great way to make that swashbuckling character. I'm, I can all of a sudden see a lot more validity to a, a noble pirate as opposed to a scoundrel pirate, because if Star Wars does lend itself to anything, it's pirates. Space pirates. Yeah. With eye patches and black teeth. Yar. And Kawaki and monkey lizards. So, anyway, uh, those are uh, some of the new uh, talents that are in the KOTOR campaign guide. And uh, next episode, we're going to be moving along and talking about some of the other talents that are in there, hopefully wrapping that up. But there's a lot of new, amazingly good stuff there. And again, if you guys haven't checked out the KOTOR campaign guide, pick it up. It's totally awesome. We want to know what you think about this stuff. Uh, go to our forums, man. d20radio.com slash forum. Sign on. Become a member of the Gamer Nation. Get your voice heard. Um, email us if you guys have anything you want to add. If you think we're full of it, let us know. Uh, if you have any questions, anything for the D20 Docking Bay or for Mail Call, um, you can email myself at gmchris at d20radio.com, uh, gmdave at d20radio.com, um, or you can call the Lusa line at, uh, what is that, Dave? Uh, Harry Code. 206 600 5872 or Lusa. That's right. Lusa. So call it. Give us an I Never Listen to the Order 66 podcast bumper or uh, leave us a, a question if you have one for a mail call, something to that effect, and we'll we'll get to it. Now, last, uh, now as a segue, Dave, last last episode we talked about how you know we're we're in the process of getting some free downloadable modules up on our website and we wanted you know a lot of listeners to contribute as well and there's been a thread started on the forums that people saying okay well we've got it we want to give it to you what's the best way to give it to you um, I mean how do you want it do you want it in a PDF do you I mean how do you I mean, you know, I mean uh, how yes. do we post it do we email it what's what's going to be the best thing to do and technical wizard I will let you delve think, into that I think that the best way to send it to us is just in a Word document is fine. Uh, PDF PDF is gets squirrely sometimes trying to import and export and cut and paste and all that other stuff. So I don't need it in PDF. I'm going to turn it into a PDF. Anyway, you got gotcha. some fancy schmancy Adobe products that I absolutely love. So, yeah, Word, Word is fine. And, um, and then I'll get with you being the contributor at a later date. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, I mean, you know, people use different publishing softwares and stuff like that. I mean, everything from simple word processors to more advanced stuff. But um, I think, I mean, if you guys have any specific questions about that, I mean, would they just email you directly about it? Not only with contributions, but also with, with questions? Yeah, that's fine. Yep, gmdave at d20radio.com is ideal. Phantasmagoric. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. It'll be great. That's, that's, that's pretty pretty freaking cool um yeah I, I i will say so i need to take uh just this whoa what was that did you just blow into your microphone sorry um i need to take a second to add an entry to gm dave's little list of boycotted restaurants oh dear taco cabana is no longer number one no they're still number one far and away but um and some of the guys, I might get, I might get a, oh my gosh, what's he doing? But I'll tell you what, we'll just add one particular location of Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
Okay, I have no idea if Hooters is an international restaurant, but for those of our brethren that are across the various ponds of the world, um, it's a, a they serve simple fare such as burgers and hot wings. And the theme of the restaurant is, of course, that all the uh, waitresses, there are no waiters, all the waitresses are young, nubile, scantily clad women. Um, Quite precocious, normally. They're very, very precocious and, and work uh, very hard to be sociable and gain your tip. Um, That's right. Yeah. That's right. And most of them are fairly well endowed, hence the name Hooters. Yeah, pretty much. They've actually been sued a couple times because they refuse to hire people of certain physical, uh, I wouldn't say detriments, but uh, lack of certain physical abilities. That's right. And capabilities, endowments. But they won. Uh, they won every time. They have won every time. Yes, they have. Because they're always willing to offer them, like, okay, well, no, we can't hire you as a server, but we'll let you work in the kitchen. We'll and pay you the same amount of money. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much the way, like a model, you know? I mean, yeah, you, know, you can't, you, you, anyway, that's basically the deal. I'll, I'll tell you a backstory about this. My, for those of Wait. you that don't know, my uh, my uh, daughter is a well, quite a, a pretty good uh, soccer player, and uh, she plays on a select soccer team, and her team is ranked like number two in the country in the United States, anyway. And that's, so that's not much internationally, though. No, no, obviously <laughs> not. Go ahead, just shoot my wheels off. You're gonna you're gonna get muted here in a second. All bad. Um. Anyway, we have a lot of travel expenses, so we do a charity golf tournament for the girls in the soccer club. All right? That's not just us. I mean, they've got like 27 teams in this soccer club. We happen to be one of the better ones in our age group. And so you we know, put on you this... You know what Mark Twain said about golf, don't you? Golf? Yeah, yeah he said it was yeah, a celebrity yeah, golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. In fact, the listeners all know because they've you've said it before. Oh, fine. A, a, I'll, I'll just be... Very well, nice tell, tell your story. I'm sorry to interrupt. Tell your story. Just, just tell your story. Golly. I'll, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. I'll tell you what. I don't even remember where I was now. You... Celebrity golf tournament. What? Celebrity? Oh, no. Or, or, no, yeah. Charity. Golf Char tournament. Yeah, charity golf tournament. Ch because charity we golf have to pay yeah. the travel expenses of the girls, right? Travel expenses. Girls pay. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, we need so sponsors, anyway. right? We need sponsors. We need whole sponsors. We need giveaway items, whatever, whatever. So a couple of the managers at this Hooters said, yeah, sure, great. We'd love to participate. One of them had played with Solar in the past, right? So my beautiful wife shows up at Hooters to collect the uh, little whatever they were going to give us, which is like a dinner for two. It was nothing. Owner comes out. This guy's name's Dave, which he's a total disgrace to all guys named Dave. Okay, and this this would be the this would be the Louisville location of Hooters, brand new, just built on I thirty five in Louisville, Texas. I hate him. I can't stand him because the guy walks out and he's like. I'm sorry, we can't do that, ma'am. Um, you know, we'd have every little soccer team in the nation coming over here to get stuff. Like, he's so full of his own just, I don't know what, that every, he just presumes that every soccer club's going to come to Hooters and ask for a dinner for two for a raffle prize. You know, I mean... Now, now, just to clarify, you, your wife had original. I mean, this, this was a planned thing. Someone told her, yes, we're going to do this. Two people told her. And this wow. guy says, well, I'm the owner and I make the final decision. Well, all right. The guy is an a-hole. And so, right. anyway, anybody who listens to this around Dallas, just, you know, go to Twin Peaks instead of Hooters. They have better food anyway. They do have better food. And, the you know, the girls are still girls and they're dressed scantily, you know. And if you're in the mood for barbecue as opposed to, you know, hot wings and all that other stuff, 
Then uh, go to uh, oh, what's the name of the place down? Oh, I, never mind. It's a bar. <laughs> it's a barbecue joint. Same basic thing. The girl. All right. Hot. So so no no Hooters, no Louisville. We're all good. And and right. uh, I will. I, I've already put them on my boycott list. See, I just spent five minutes of the podcast for nothing. Nothing. Just you know, nobody cares in La Francais. No, but you know, global awareness of bad service in in the restaurant industry, I think, should be our secondary concern on the podcast, even though it has nothing to do with gaming in any way, shape, or form. But speaking of scantily clad uh, females being stared at googly by very strange men, what do you oh, say we yes. try and put in a phone call to our our good friend, Mister TK four two one? All right, let's try it. You never know what's going to happen when you try and contact TK421. So he's never, he's never at his post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Dave, I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As we go further down the, uh, <clears throat> this is a terrible podcast, worst show ever. TK421, are you just your post? Hello, TK421. See, he's not well, there. Hey, Dave, how you doing, Holzer? Wow. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I am really impressed. Oh man, well, <laughs> what, what, what you impressed for? What I did? Uh, well, you're here, dude. You know, uh, what the DNA did the DNA test come back yet? Are you the daddy? I am not the daddy of the Rodian girls, baby. <laughs> oh, it's true. Woo. Oh man, see, we had uh, uh, we had uh, old uh, old man Jacks Dusty call in and uh, and tell you that you needed to keep it in your in your pants. Yeah, you know, like, you know them old folks, they can say what they want, son. But, you know, these kind of pieces, they get itchy. You got to take them off every now and then. But, you know, some doctor over there at the, at the hospital, he tried to tell me that I couldn't have been the daddy anyway. Because, you know, like a human and a rodent, you know, they, um, well, I don't quite understand all that. But, you know, I'm just glad that I'm in the clear and, uh, you know, glad to proclaim my innocence and let her tarnish the reputation of someone else with her lecherous and libelous words. That's that's what my lawyers told me to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. So what's going on? Oh, man, well, I don't know, son. I don't know. I, uh, you know, we're over here this week. We're over here on uh, on Narshada. Oh. We kind of had to have that genetic testing done over here. It's the only place they do it, you know. And my CEO, he's all right. He's a new guy, but he's all right. So we came over here to get them tests done, man. And, oh, God, I'm nursing the worst, worst hangover and a couple bruises, man. We got into a bar fight last night. Nice. We weren't wearing our uniforms or nothing. They kind of, you know, we don't want to be drinking in the uniform. That's kind of a bad thing. It would cast a, a bad shadow on the empire. So, so we just went out in our in our civilian clothing and uh, had a good old time. And man, this old boy got to drop on me something fierce, man. He's this Karelian fella, man. He had to, he had the blood stripes on his pants too, man. He had to be a tough some gun too. But he had this old buddy, this old buddy with him. There's a Wookie. I don't much care for them Wookies, man. Uh, but, you know, I made a comment, told him I liked the size of his blaster. He seemed to take offense to it, man. <laughs> and, uh, man, let me tell you. Let me tell you what. I don't know what it was, man, but they was landing punches and shots that I didn't think they could land at all, man. It was like, uh, like fate was kind of looking out for them or something. It was kind of wild. And, and I swear, man, he'd throw a punch or, you know, uh, do something that, that, that maybe shouldn't, uh, shouldn't have connected and... You know, all of a sudden, he'd kind of rethink his decision, and it would connect. I, 
I don't quite quite understand it. It was a little fuzzy in my head, but uh, I was really really drunk, so that may have played <laughs> a small part in it. Oh yeah, maybe so. But maybe they were having a an intervention from a higher power. Yeah, well, if you believe in that mumbo jumbo, you know all that hokey religions. You know, ain't no match for a good blaster at your side. You know, higher uh, powers. I've I've heard that before, son. Uh, well, you know, my old pappy used to say all kinds of things. I can't remember a lot of them, but I'm pretty sure that was one thing he used to say. So, <laughs> uh, well, listen, Hosers, I'm gonna go nurse off this hangover, man. Maybe get yeah, some air yeah. of the dog and trying to get rid of it. Yeah, right, y'all be good. I'll, I'll talk to y'all later, okay? All right, sir. Have a good one. All right. Later, Hosers. Nice. Ah. <sighs> I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, I think uh, it's good to hear from you, by the way, TK. I'm, I'm glad you're doing better, and I'm glad you're not a baby daddy. Uh, I'm sure yeah. that makes all of us out there in uh, internet radio land happy. That's right. Everyone on Al Gore's intertube is happy today. <laughs> I invented the internet. <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, Dave, that should bring us into the D20 docking bay. Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Yep, this week's episode or installment of the D20 docking bay brought to you by I don't know. Would you say this is a dual origin of Jim Baca and Zarissa? But I'd say Jim Baca. Wait, wait, it was Jim. It was Jim Baca's question. Uh, Zarissa was pretty much the only one who responded to it, though. Um, which is interesting. A couple weeks ago, Jim Baca, he, he asked a question on our forums that the lovely Zirissa did respond to. Arcanium. Um, but uh, Jim's sentiments have come up a couple times in various instances in games, and the root question is one that bears closer examination. Uh, and Jim writes thusly. He says, Hello, Gamer Nation. My question is, can you use force points with the scoundrel talent Knack? If yes, do you add it to both roles, or do you use two force points, one for each role? Do you have to roll, or can you take 10 with one of the rolls? My scoundrel player thinks he should use a force point for each roll, but Raw states that unless known otherwise, you can spend only one force point per round. Help me, Gamer Nation. You're my only hope. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about force points and roll modifiers, with emphasis on the latter, because that's really where the heart of this discussion lies. So let's review, shall we? Let's talk about force points. We have before, but we're going to do so again. Page 92 and 93 of the core rulebook... We know them, we love them, representative of the Force. The energy field generated by all living beings that surrounds us, penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. Fate, destiny, personal power, what makes you a hero? Uh, you can spend Force points to accomplish a few things. Uh, here's how you use them. Uh, you can spend one to add a bonus of 1 die 6 to any d20 roll you make uh, before the result of the roll is declared. And that's really the heart of Jim Baca's question. Uh, you can spend a force point to avoid instant death if an attack drops you to zero hit points and beats your damage threshold. Instead, you simply fall unconscious. You can spend a force point to decrease your dark side score by one. Um, you know, uh, give of yourself in order to atone, basically. And then there's certain talents and abilities and force powers out there that either allow uh, or require the expenditure of a force point to activate them or to increase their power. Bottom line. 
How often can you use them? Well, as you noted correctly, Jim, you can only spend one around uh, unless you're avoiding death. So let's talk about applying force points to the Knack talent. Now, Knack is on page 46 of the core rulebook, a great scoundrel talent in the fortune talent tree. It lets you re-roll any skill check and take the better result once a day. You can even take it multiple times, able to use it that many times a day. Simple and easy. Now, many force user munchkins out there will take scoundrel levels just to pick up fool's luck and Knack, since use the force is a skill check. Awfully nice to re-roll it, wouldn't you say? So the issue, okay, so so your player spent a force point to modify a skill check. Perfectly legitimate, perfectly normal. Then he uses Knack to re-roll the skill check. Does he also re-roll the force point? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Does he spend another force point to apply it to the second re-roll? No, absolutely not. Can he take 10 with the Knack re-roll? No. Hell no. That's not what it says. It says you can re-roll and take the better of the result. If you roll a 1 the first time and a 2 the second time, guess what? You're taking a 2. Knack allows for a re-roll of the die 20 itself. Nothing else. And that's the bottom line. Any modifiers of any kind, including the force point spent, would apply to the second re-roll. To both rolls. This includes the force points and anything else situational you may have. And if your player decides to spend the force point on the roll before using Knack, he's perfectly legitimate to decide to use the force point on the second roll, um, doesn't really matter, then the force point has already been rolled and the modifier has already been decided. And besides, you and Zarissa are right, you can only spend one force point around anyway. And since Knack lets you take the better of the two die 20 rolls, which is uncommon and very powerful, it really doesn't matter when the force point is spent during the round. Um, its modifier applies to the best roll, regardless. Okay, to look at it another way, if a raging Wookiee charges into combat, plus two bonus to attack, and misses, but he's able to re-roll the attack roll, which you can do with certain talents and feats, does he lose the plus two for charging on his reroll? No. A Jedi Knight with Saurus two can reroll block and deflect. Let's say he's already deflected once this round. Takes a minus five on his use the force check for his next attempt. Well, he fails the next attempt and decides to use Saurus to reroll it. Does the minus five penalty no longer apply because it's a reroll? No. Bottom line, bonuses and penalties that apply due to talents, combat conditions, aiding, anything. They apply to both the original roll and any rerolls unless the talent or the ability in question specifically says otherwise. And that's the bottom line. I hope that answers your question. And if you guys, again, have any questions, please get them to us, d20radio.com slash forum. You can go directly to the board for D20, uh, for already 66 requests and uh, post up there on the D20 docking bay thread any deep-seated questions you have. Get advice from our incredibly knowledgeable forum community and uh, become a member of the Gamer Nation yourself. Impart your wisdom to others. Uh, give us a call. The losing line, 206-600-5872. Email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. Yep. It's a good thing. Or voicemail us. Skype. Voicemail us. Skype. D- oh, yeah, that's right. Skype us. Where, where can they Skype you? D20 Radio or GM Dave. Oh, fantastic. And it'll ring and ring and ring, and you won't pick up, and you'll get the option to leave a voicemail, and you can just leave a voicemail if you have Skype. Free download, people. Free download. Talk to us anywhere in the world. It's that's wonderful. Right. It is very, very wonderful, and obviously solves the whole problem of of our international listeners that don't know or can't actually dial us up without paying some exorbitant charge. So. Yeah, and I know, a lot of people have also recorded, just recorded their questions in MP3s and emailed those to us. Yeah, those that's true, too. 
Hey, for all the listeners who uh, either sent, a, I got a couple of PMs. I got a, um, a one one email, and then somebody put a, a thread up on the forum. Um, hurricane stuff, we're fine. Dallas yep, didn't God. get hit really at all. I might have had a tenth of an inch at my house. Yeah, know? it was kind of pathetic considering all the hype that was leading up to it. Yeah, it, the bang to hype ratio was definitely absolutely nothing in Dallas anyway. Now, yeah, Houston, you know, the Houston, East West, they got hit hard. Oh yeah, and and poor Houston. I mean, it, they the Houston the Houston NFL game was postponed because it tore part of the roof off of Reliant Stadium, and that's that's a big wind right there that can mess up a stadium like that. So. They're saying it's going to be four weeks before they get power back to everyone in Houston. Yeah. That's insane. Yep. So our yep. thoughts go out to those yep. guys out there, any gamers out there in the world who have been affected by the hurricane. Ike, um, you know, if I could go meet Ike, I'd kick him in the nuts for all of you. That's right. And yeah. with that, I wish you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice a rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 